The question is this, who are you in the marketplace? So when I was a senior vice president, I was given a, a German car and I was given a company chauffeur. And I'll use a company chauffeur as and when I need. And the first time I sat in the car and I sat on the back, I felt very uncomfortable. <clears throat> first time, never been chauffeured before in my life. Never had it before in my life. Never had a company car of that kind of stature. And after I got down, I finished my meeting. When I came back, I jumped into the front seat with the chauffeur. And he looked at me and said, Boss, kenapa tak mau uh, duduk belakang? I, I just told him jokingly, I want to chat with you. Lah. I want to get to know you. And from that day onwards, I always sit in front. Unless there's someone in the car with me, I'll sit at the back. Because you know why? Every time I get into the car, um, I, I, get, I will get emotional. Because I will remember the 20 years of hardship that my family went through. And I say, Lord, why do I deserve to sit in a car like this? And there was one day, we had a prophetic conference in the church. Prophetic conference means you're supposed to pick a stranger and then you prophesize into the person's life. And I partner with this um, matured sister. She's probably in her 50s. I've seen her around in church, but I don't know her. And then we... So I, I was here, got row by row, the front was there. And I turned around and I partnered her. I just say, hi sister, my name is Donald. She introduced her name. And then she, immediately we are asked to speak into each other's life. And then she said this, the Lord said the black car that you have just gotten is for you to role model it and to bless people by ferrying them here and there. It's not about you deserving it or not. I was like, this is crazy. Because in the beginning of a prophetic conference, I just got the car and it was in, 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 in the parking lot in the church. And I purposely parked it very far so that people won't see that car because I'm not used to it, right? Such a flashy car. And I told the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. They gave me so many choices, but I picked this car. I think it's a bit too flashy. Maybe I can do something. I talk to HR. I can change the car, you know. And then this sister in mine told me this. And I say, Lord, I thank you um, that you have a reason for us in the marketplace to role model differently in the church. It's very important, especially those of you that are starting out, you got to establish who you want to be in the marketplace. What your value system is and let the people know what is this that you stand for. When I joined Citibank, it was the biggest bank and uh, the bank that everybody wanted to get into. And there's this culture of playing very hard, partying very hard, but working very hard. During orientation, they said this, the rating is from one to five. We don't want one and two. We only want four and five. Five being the top rating. Three means you're just okay. If you're going to be one to two, just forget it. You will not be confirmed. Just make your own way out. If you are three, you better work hard to be a four and five. In this bank, we only want four and five. So I remember the first week I was hired as a very young manager at 28 years old. The vice president, um, the business head, asked us to go to a nearby pub for happy hour. I just joined GT. I backslide all the way back into GT just about a year before. And I was starting to go in the connect group and I'm always looking forward to connect group on a Friday. So at Friday 5pm, he called all of us to go to the pub. There were probably 15 of us. 
And I know that I'm going to be going to CG and I'm not definitely going to drink, you know. I was under a discipleship uh, series with my CG leader and Kenneth has said that, Don, just to let you know, now you're back in church, um, some of the lifestyle, do work on it. And one of it is, I don't drink anymore. So I ordered either tomato juice or orange juice. I don't know which one, uh, orange and red, you know, it's very obvious, right? Everybody's colour is light brown, uh, yeah? Uh, is it a beer or some liquor or cocktail? So we were sitting in this big circle. And I was sitting there, new, don't want to talk too much. Everybody got title, have been here for so long. And suddenly, he looked at me, you know. Brother, you don't mind, I look at you. <laughs> he looked at me and he said, and he didn't even bother to know my name. Because he's such a big shot. I'm just one week in the bank on a Friday. Who are you? And what are you drinking? I said, my name is Donald. Um, and um, I'm drinking orange juice. Then he didn't even talk to me after that. He looked at my immediate superior, assistant vice president level, and he said, Alex, where do you interview this guy? Are you sure you did a good job? We don't interview guys that don't drink. I, I was shocked. I was taken aback. And I didn't know what to say. And then I just mumbled something. I just said, uh, I'm going to uh, go to church and uh, go to cell group. That's why I'm drinking orange juice. Then everybody look at me. Of course, they don't know what is cell group. Lah. They know what is church. Lah, you know? Where God in pub, happy hour, talk about cell group and church, one, right? So I'm obviously very out of place. Um, and then everybody laughed. <laughs> and they continue drinking. So I finished my orange juice and I left. And I didn't know from then onwards, I had a reputation in the, in, in, in the office for being a guy that does not drink. Um, and he would go cell group on a Friday. And what happened was this. Every year, the Lord had taught me to do this. December, I would do a review of my whole year and I'll commit to the Lord what went well, what did not go well and I asked the Lord, what do I learn from here? Yeah. Um, because I wanted to give Veron a copy just to keep myself accountable. And I kept what I forgot it. I was in a rush. I left that copy on the machine and I took the copied and I rushed off. And when I came back in the evening, one of my colleagues, a lady, uh, she brought the original copy and came to me and said, Donald, I just want to tell you that you are really different. And, he said, I, I, he, and she said this, I hope you don't mind. I was thinking, what is this piece of paper? And I need to figure out who owns this. And I realized that you have got God, you have got family, you have got your work, and so on and so forth. And I just want to say thank you. I've learned something. And she began to uh, adopt it and share it with some of the friends. So what I'm trying to say here is this. Me being very innocent and very young then, made a little stand to drink orange juice and just doing my own thing has become slowly the talk of the department. Within two years, I became the top performer throughout the whole nation in that division. I don't know how it happened. Don't ask me. All I knew is that I prayed a lot. I commit everything to the Lord. But I ended up at two, at end of that two years, I was given share option. I was asked to be a team leader. But I decided to leave. Because I realized that the culture in the organization will not help me with my faith and my walk with the Lord. And the Lord blessed me to move on to another organization. What I've written here is this, 
most Christians feel that they have to be different and must be different from who they are in church if they really want to be successful either in the corporate world or the business world. I'm just one of those that tell you this. That is not true. The more we abide and go with the principles of God in the corporate arena, the more respect you will get and the more people will look to you because they say, you are different. Why are you different? There must be a reason for you being different. And in our small little ways, we then can say, we are a Christian. We try and do certain things. We don't always get it right, but we try. God will establish you in your stature, your work performance and achievements, and your influence and authority. And most important, when you and I are consistent, or we try to be as consistent as possible, you will be known to be credible, reputable, with that strong performance track record in your office and out of the office. So as a banker, so-called, we have got a few risks in our job. One of the risks in our job is people will give you money and presents. My job is to go into a company, look at it, assess it, and then I'll have to recommend to my management whether we would support them in their loans. So I started by giving out smaller loans, millions, a few millions. Then I gave out bigger loans in the tens of millions. And I began to give very big loans. And there was this particular incident where the client gave me and said, Mr. Lim, ah, Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And for very reason, when I got into the car, I got prompted to check the hamper. At the bottom of the hamper was a very thick envelope. Not thick envelope, very thick envelope. I opened up the envelope, I counted the money. There were thousands in ringgit. Immediately, I have driven off like 10 minutes really, you know, I parked by the side of the car. I stopped, I counted, I put everything, packed everything, Close up the hamper. I drove back to the customer. I said, Sit down, Paul. I'm going to And then I explained to Sit down, Paul. Because you know what Sit down, Paul said? Listen to me carefully. Sit down, Paul said, All other bankers will take it. Why are you not taking it? And I told Sit down, Paul this. I said, Sit down, Paul. There are also different bankers you are not supposed to give this kind of money to anyone. It is my job, as well as those other bankers, to process your loan. If we give it to you, you deserve it, and we believed in you. If you don't get it, means don't worry. I'll help you along the way. Hopefully one year from now, you can get it. But please, in future, don't give this kind of money anymore. Why am I saying this? Because nowadays in the corporate world, it's very common to entertain. It's very common to have starts with dinners, do a little bit of trips, and then, oh, you cannot get these tickets to this concert. Nah. Let me buy for you. Lah. Oh, uh, guess what? Um, it's uh, Christmas time. You're Christian, right? Let me send some hamper and send to your home. The moment you take the hamper from your house and not have it in the office to be shared with your colleagues, you really violated certain form of integrity. Be careful of so-called this terminology called networking. Any business people here? Don't raise up your hands. Uh. 
<laughs> nah, Christian business people, I want to say it's not easy out there. I, I want to tell you this. I know it because I'm coaching quite a few business leaders, whether they're Christian or not. It's very difficult out there. It's like pilots say, the blood is not on my hands. But guess what? Even you don't give the money, you authorize it, the blood is still on your hands. Dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, if you're in business, the Lord knows it. You just got to work it out between you and the Lord. It's not for us to say, not to judge. Forgive me if I've come across as judging. That's not my intention. My intention is that I pray that you and the Lord can work it out that there's no blood on your hands and you can be truly counted as godly, pure, holy and righteous in your dealings and be the man or the woman that sit in the city gates like Boaz. Amen? Talking about character building, we are to have Christ-like character in establishing the fruit of the Spirit just like in Galatians 5.22. Always say and do the right thing no matter how difficult it is. This is very tough because every one of us has a commitment. Can you imagine when I was young and I needed the money? Uh, I've never stopped giving allowance to my parents, even now. I've given allowance to my parents from the first day I work. It was probably about 28 years ago. Till now, I've never stopped giving allowance. It's not that they need my money now. They used to need my money, but now they don't. Dad has passed on, so it's only mum. And have increased the allowance every year. It's like inflation, you know? <laughs> when you see your parents' face, look at you, you give the ang pao, then like, hmm, you know? Then you wait for Chinese New Year, you tamba a bit more, then you know, Father Mother's Day, you tamba a bit more and all that. Then you realize, okay, okay, the amount is about all right. Yeah? So I've never um, stopped giving them allowance. And it was very tough. I had a very young family and yet I have to give allowance. And there's, you know, the housing loan and the car loan. And I always feel that I wish my mom and dad would understand a bit more and not ask for it. Yeah? In early days, mom would be very direct one. Hey, come on, Jay. Lay my yao job increment promotion, come Then in my mind, I'll be like, Loma ji, I work very hard, you know. Again, also have to share with you, man. <laughs> but guess what? In the workplace, there are times that I told myself, I cannot lose this job. I cannot afford to do something wrong. And there are times I didn't like myself for not saying the right thing and doing the right thing especially when I've got my colleagues and peers that are being bullied by our superior. I don't know whether it still happens nowadays. Um, I hear that it happens in a different way. Um, I just want you all to know that bullying does not just happen in schools and in campuses. Bullying happens in the office. How the leaders bully is different. They make you stay late. They make you work weekends. They make sure you answer email and they give you crazy deadlines just to get some presentations going. To me, that's called bullying. And that's very irresponsible of leaders to do that. And the sad part is this. There are even Christian leaders who are leaders in the church and then when they are in the office, they do the same thing. This so-called treatment to staff. And that's why when non-Christians hear that, What? My boss is a Christian leader in the church and in church is a different person and then come to office like that. 
Do you think they will come to church? Answer is no. It's as simple as that. It has to start with us being a Christian in the marketplace and also in the church. There's no, sun, no, no such thing as, you know, we come for Wednesday prayer for my church at least, Friday CG and Sunday, just for that moment we are like that. And then we go off into the business and the marketplace, we behave differently. I had a leader a few years ago. He, he was a pretty new leader. And one day, someone from church called and talked to me and said, Don, just to let you know, this guy, uh, we were having a mutual gathering with uh, the clients and he took a cigarette and started to smoke. I said, are you sure that was my leader? He said, I'm very sure because I served with him in the ministry together. I said, wear glasses one or Got to be at least one or no? His name is this one or He said, yes. I said, thank you. I had a one-to-one -one with that leader and I said this. I said, my dear brother, uh, someone called me and told me that when you were socializing, uh, he's a senior guy. When you were socializing, you took a cigarette and you were smoking the night away. He looked at me, he said, yes, Donald. It's been something that I'm trying to get rid of and I'm not proud of it. Um, and I, I didn't tell you earlier. So I, I told him this. I said, dear brother, I want you to know we are all work in progress. When I came to the Lord and I was appointed a leader, that was when I got over my pornography. That's when I got over my bad temper. That's when I got over many things, the insecurities, the fears, and so on and so forth. I say, bro, let's walk it through together. I say, are you ready to give it up now? I say, I have a bit of anointing in this area. Yeah? So I pray for you and I believe God will be able to just deliver you from that. So then, then we prayed, let him through a prayer, pray over him. And God is so good. In the next few months, he literally stopped smoking. So I call back that he's, um, you remember? The, the, the guy that called me on the phone to told, to told me about it. I called back that guy and I said, done. We addressed it. Um, he, he admitted and now he's smoke-free. Oh, that's interesting. Smoke-free. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so I, I need to keep myself accountable to this other leader that called me on the phone. Um, so he was, he was relieved. My own leader was relieved. I'm grateful. I'm not relieved. I know that we all have our situations we need to walk through. So all I'm trying to say is this, my dear brothers and sisters, be very clear who you want to be in the workplace. What kind of identity you want to possess, what kind of character you want to have, and make sure you stick to it. When there are unreasonable authority exerted on you in the workplace, please do not just take it. Stand for yourself in the name of Jesus. Pray hard for wisdom. Ask a lot how to respond to all these senior leaders and unreasonable authority and make sure that you are equipped to have that conversation. Ask for somebody wiser that have gone through it. Ask for some experience. Talk through it if you are in a corporate scenario. If you are a business person, you need help, go and seek help. I'm sure God will bring someone to you because you want to be honourable in your dealings. You want to be righteous in your dealings and I'm very sure God will send you people that will be so. I'll talk about something very interesting called money. Money. No matter what, the Bible is very clear. We have a choice. You either choose God or you choose money. 
Now, from the biblical principle perspective is this. If you choose money, for sure, you won't have much of God. However, if you choose God, you can have God and money. That's a principle that perhaps sometimes even us as um, slightly mature believer, we may not remember and we may forget because there are so many commitments and out of the goodness of our heart, we wanted to bless and help so many people. However, this principle is very simple, it's very clear and please do not cross the line. Never, never for a moment allow money to overcome the identity and the characteristics you are supposed to have in the workplace. Because it's not just for yourself, it's also for your team and for the people you work with. If you make the wrong choice and the wrong decision, you're going to stumble a lot of people, including other Christians in your workplace. And that's not our place to be in. I want to speak this to those that have worked 10 years and younger. And I wrote this down. Long hours are tough. Look like the younger ones are here. Okay? Uh, um, the long hours are tough. However, do try to see as a personal development. Do try to see is God molding and refining you through your seasons. Seasons means if you are going through autumn and winter, my dear brother and sister, spring will come. Flowers will bloom. Bees come. Sun is there and you do different things. And summer is when you have a celebration. You will never always be in the doldrums and God will forget you. That's not God. It is tough at times. And I can tell you this one incident. I was already um, a senior leader in a bank and I was going through a very tough time. I lost 10 kilograms in that year. Yet I did not have the option to quit because of the commitment of the family, my own family. We have three kids and extended family. And I parked the car outside the house we were living in Shah Alam then. Um, and I was crying in the car. I was so tired. I told the Lord, you got to take me out. It's been so many months. And I just can't handle it. We have got bought issue. We got investment, um, uh, investors issue. And I was caught in between of so many things. And I say, Lord, I've always believed in perseverance. I was always believed in building character. I was always believed that you are God and you will take care of me. But I just come to a point, I don't have the strength and I just pour and cry. Um, I finished my crying. I played my theme song, which is Through Christ. Through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. You know that song? I, I walk in, try to be brave. It was probably about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Every night, huh? was 10 o'clock on. I don't come home earlier than 10. It was crisis moment. And Veron saw me. Veron knew something was not very right. But I told Veron, it's okay. Got to get on with life. And we prayed. And I went in to give my resignation letter. My CEO said, there's no way we're going to let you go. However, we give you one month of sabbatical and you think things through. After that one month I came back, I told my CEO, I will stay for another six months to make sure I do a nice handover and tie over. And after that, two banks 
I did not do any resume. I didn't do anything. I was sitting on my desk and a bank called me on a Tuesday and another bank called me on a Wednesday. And they said that we heard about you and our CEOs want to meet up with you and have a conversation. And six months later, I left the organization. So brothers and sisters in the Lord, the Lord will never forget you and definitely will not forsake you. The second one is commit and pray. I spend a lot of time talking about identity and character because it's so important. The second thing is that till today, everything that I do, I commit to the Lord. I will commit the budgets, the financial budgets, the KPIs. How do I motivate my team? How do I lead them? How do I conduct myself? How do I ensure that we are the talk of the town, that everybody know that we are reputable, credible, full of integrity, and we're not here to just do business. Everything I will commit to the Lord. Whether it's my morning drive, or whether it's my evening after work, or whether it's a Friday CG, or Sunday in service, I will always seek the Lord. And I always ask the Lord to give me very wise men, particularly that walk the journey, to speak into my life and help me and teach me as well. Not easy to find Christian men especially. Occasionally, also got Christian women. But this is where I encourage you, wherever juncture you are, do ask for that. When you prioritize God and you will just commit everything to the Lord, the outcome are multifold. Favor for sure. You get favor. You get all kinds of favor that you never imagined you will get. You get a lot of trust to do things that you never thought you're capable of and you would be privileged to be um, given those trusts. Um, your track record, again, your credibility and reputation in the company and in the industry will be very well known. Simply because you follow the scripture of Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this will be added unto you. And this is our family verse. The family of five, this is our family verse. Always reminding each other to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I cannot emphasize enough that there's a need to always pray. Even this, this particular sharing, out of these three sheets of paper I have, I have gone off script for two-thirds already. I'm only one-third on script. I don't know why. So many things that the Lord is just putting into my mind now to say and speak it as it comes. And it's not easy for me standing here to speak out of script because I've been taught and conditioned to be structured. All of you got money in the banks, right? Can you imagine one day your banker say, hey, I don't really know what to do with your money. Ah. <laughs> you want this loan? Ah. Maybe, lah, maybe, lah, let me tell you. Lah. I feel like I process your loan. No, I won't process. So we are always been taught to be very structured, very analytical and all that. And to go off script to do what I do is really to have to rely on the Lord. So committing and pray anything and everything. Could be a simple presentation. Could be a complicated presentation. Could be a strategy that you've never done before. You just got to trust the Lord. That's all I can say. I had a dream when I was a... A very young executive. I had a dream that I'd be chauffeured. I'll wear my suit and tie. I'll carry my laptop and work on the plane. And that happened. So I would board the plane. I'll remove my jacket for the air stewardess. They will hang it. There's a special slot that will hang it. And I'll open up my laptop for the few hours flight to whichever country I'll go to. Um, because in the 20 years I was banking, 10 years I, I was in region. So I'll cover the ASEAN region. And I'll open up my laptop and I'll do work. And then of course, when I finish, you know the plane's about to board. You close your laptop, you put it back in. Then the air students will deliver your suit to you. You put on your suit, you get off the plane, 
And then the driver and the chauffeur will be waiting, and we jump into the car, and we start to meet customer by customer. I lived that for a while. And it was really nice. Good food, five-star hotels, corporate paid for everything, don't need to pay for anything. And then it became a dread. It became a dread. I was missing my children. I was missing some important dinners and meals in Malaysia while all this was going on. And I remember when I would sit on a plane, when the laptop opened, I will tell myself, this is not the life I want. When I put on the suit, it's like going for a show, you know? You have to perform. No longer, like, I want to put on a suit, you know? No more. I, like, I don't want to wear this suit. I wish I could take off the tie. And when I get in the hotel room, after I pray and sanctify the room, um, I will call Veron. I, I, the first thing I say, dear, just tell me what happened the entire day. What did I miss? And most of this trip is four day, three night. I will never do more than four day, three night. I cannot last more than four day, three night. I will miss them so much. And in the car, I'll be looking outside and be thinking, what are they doing? You know, what's life at home? So when you see someone having all that kind of stuff, so-called um, materialism and stature and status, always remember, no one knows what's going on in their lives. Only they know. Only they know. And the last thing I want to touch on is this, to build relationship in the marketplace. I'm going to end with this. There are two. One is the greatest commandment, which you know very well, and the, the other one is a great commission. All of us here, our lives are supposed to reflect that. So number one is that we have to love the Lord with heart, mind, soul, everything. That's the greatest commandment. And because of that, the Lord is also teaching us to love everybody else around us. I know it's very difficult to, to, to try to love a boss that's a terrible boss. Don't love lah. Just be nice first lah. Yeah? When later you can be in a loving mode, then you love. Um, I know it's tough to work with certain peers in the marketplace. Or even some of you, you are not working in the marketplace, you are home ministers in your neighbourhood. Nah. You, you have so many people who talk behind your back, the murmuring and the grumbling or the gossip. It's difficult. In schools, nowadays, it's so difficult to find a true friend or in university. Life has become very complicated and complex. However, the Lord has reminded us again and again, not only do you love me, your heart, soul and mind, love your neighbour as well. So may I remind you and remind myself that on a daily basis, not only the Tan Siri, the big shot, but also the auntie that may make your coffee or the cleaner, the foreigner that will leave their family to come here to make money, to go back to a family. Let's remember them and be kind to them. The other one is a great commission. These days it's very difficult to invite someone to an event in church. Do you, do you realize that? Our church in the years, I've always been, whenever I do a Christmas, uh, Easter, we literally have got hundreds of people that will come. But the last few years, it's been very sad. You look at the people that will come, it's only in the tens. 20s, 30s, 40s. It could be a church event, you know. And GT is quite a sizable church in the PJ with a big population. So increasingly, you and I are the church now. You and I are called to be the Christian in the marketplace, where hopefully you and I, instead of stumbling them, would show them that there's still hope and optimism in this world we are living in, and we have a little opportunity to slip in the Word of God 
And I end with this story. I was told by Pastor Mike that there is this magic word to use to get ready the worship team. It's called in conclusion. <laughs> now let me tell this story and then uh, feel free to come up worship team because I believe there's one author call that I just want to give. I had a personal assistant, they call PA. Her name was Vivian. She's not a Christian then and she's still not a Christian now. However, Vivian will always remember something that I did for her. Vivian had a professional qualification and she always felt that she's not worthy to be, truly be working in a bank. So when she was appointed as a PA to me, she told me this, Donald, I'll do anything and everything. And this is what she will do. When we have a function, she always makes sure that she scooped food for me and put the plate aside. And um, when I need to go out, she'll make sure that all my staff will get ready the car and bring the car to the lobby. And she'll give me my documents and all that. And then she'll make a call and say that, uh, Donald is coming down. Make sure that your car is waiting in front. That's how she take care of me. Okay? And I told her, Vivian, don't do this. Because if not, people think that you're my mistress. And I'll be in trouble. So the thing that I did was very quickly, I brought Veron to the office and I started to have gatherings at home to bring my team that they can see Veron, they can see my family, my family can see them, right? And slowly Vivian began to believe in herself and she built herself up and she moved up to become a full-fledged manager in the bank that was working with me. I intentionally developed her, sent her for courses and guess what? Four years later, even before I left the bank, she told me, Donald, I have an offer from Standard Chartered to be a relationship manager. Wow. I said, go. Forget it. Lah. I can get an RPA. Just go. And she left. About six years ago, she gave me a call. We always keep in touch. Every year, there's a reunion. Not just me, but the entire team. And six years ago, she called and she cried and she cried on the phone. She couldn't talk. She said this, Donald, my sister suddenly died. And, and she's a Christian um, and we don't know what to do and I know you're a Christian can you tell me what to do I said you just call the funeral parlor I will text you now his name is Kelvin you know, in church we do so many right so we know what to do right and I gave it to her I said call Kelvin and say that Donald give you the contact Kelvin will help you oh okay okay and then I don't know her church or so. We don't know anything about her church. She's not a frequent church goer, but I know she goes once in a while. Lah. I said, never mind, never mind. So in the end, Kelvin helped her out and Veronica and I went to see her and the whole family. And then she quickly came and thanked us and then we sat down and talked. She said, in my family of sisters, they're all girls, by the way. Um, the one that died is in the middle one. She's the youngest. But she took charge of everything. She said, there was one Catholic still in the family the one that passed away is a Christian. She's a non-Christian and there's another one. I said, why you didn't ask your, the rest of sister, the Catholic, to help out? And then she said this, And then she told me this, we're going to put her in this place and Nirvana has asked, what kind of scripture should we have on it? And then she said this, Donald, could you please let me know what scripture to put on the tombstone? I don't know about you. This is not my family. It was my ex-colleague and a friend. In this traumatic event, she will remember 
that I don't do entertainment on Friday and Wednesday. I don't go karaoke GROs. She remember I was as clean as I could be. And in moments of crisis, she will call me and ask me to give her scripture on her sister's tombstone. I said, let me pray about it and I will come back to you. So Ro and I prayed. One night as I was walking, the Lord told me, this is a scripture. So I wrote a message to her and I texted her. I said, Vivian, it's such a privilege and honour to be able to do this. Now what I'm trying to say is this, as I end this story. We are to be a believer everywhere we go. It's not just here. The easy part is to be in here. The difficult part is to be out there. For me, the most difficult part was being a Christian to my own family and my in-laws. That's very testing. And over the years, the Lord has helped me a lot and I'm grateful for that. Then the second most difficult part of being a Christian is really in the office when there's so much pressure, when there's so much expectation to perform. Can we truly be that Christian? And that's why today's you can call altar call, you can call me, giving a, just wanting to pray for you. I pray that whatever the Lord has imparted unto me, I can impart that unto you. That you can enjoy the success and the prosperity and the blessedness and the favour of the Lord wherever you go. doesn't matter how old you are or what level you are in corporate or in business. That God will cause a change in you. And you don't need to be so out of water in the marketplace. You don't need to be a secret agent Christian. Just be who you want to be and work your way through. And that's all. Yeah? So with the worship team playing, I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes while I pray this prayer. And if you think that the Holy Spirit is talking to you, I'm just going to invite you to come out. And let me explain to you why come out. There's a, there's a difference when you respond to the Lord in a very significant manner of uh, stepping out, moving out, and making yourself uncomfortable. The Lord at times can still do it when you are there. However, when you choose to step out and throw the Bible, every character in Scripture can tell us that when you step out, there's an extraordinary encounter with the Lord. And that's all. Yeah, if you don't step out, it's okay with me. Okay? Is that alright? So while you close your eyes, I'm just going to pray this prayer. And the worship team is just going to play softly like now. And then, when it's time, you just see whether you respond. Holy Spirit, and uh, Abba Father, once again, we thank you that, Lord, even for myself today, you took me out of script and you just led me through a journey of uh, past memories with you. Been very precious, dear Lord, and we thank you. And I pray that I've been a diligent messenger today. However, the focus is not on me. The focus is on every child, son and daughter of yours that is sitting right here, right now, and even those online. That Lord, if you want them to respond to you, that you will tell them now in the name of Jesus and that they will respond to you, to come up front. And all I need to do is to pray that prayer impartation over them and that will be done. Whatever it is that you're speaking to them, is it through a challenge? Is it through an obstacle? Is it they're considering to resign or not? Or are they considering to do a different business or to do something? Whatever it is, Lord, only you know and you alone. 
So therefore, Lord, in a short while, I'm just going to ask them to come out and you do what you will always do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So that's it. We're going to open the time to altar now. If you have heard the Lord um, and you're one of those that the Lord wants to touch you this morning, I'm just going to invite you to come and I'm just going to pray an impartation prayer. And then I'm going to pass it back to Pastor Mike. Yeah, go ahead. I'm just going to wait for one minute only. I have my Fitbit on one minute. Yeah, that's it. If you want to come and respond to the Lord, please come front. If not, that's it. Thank you. Can I invite everybody to stand? Let's just sing, Lord, I offer my life and give our lives to Him. to pray an impartation and the spirit of Moses entered Joshua so those that are in front don't look at me please you just have your moment with the Lord you can listen to the words that I use and from the words if it speaks to you then it's for you yeah but just close your eyes enjoy your moment with the Lord and let this prayer come forth and to receive it um, just open up your hands um, as a form of receiving from the Lord yeah thank you thank you Father God Holy Spirit, this prayer is from you unto those specifically standing in front. Only for those that have responded by standing in front. In the name of Jesus, from my sister on the right with the striped tee, all the way to the corner right there, as long as their hands are raised, Lord, every single individual right here along the line, they will have the touch of the Holy Spirit. First of all, I'm going to bind and I'm going to break every chain in the name of Jesus that they are facing in their lives. Particularly in their official vocation in the marketplace. In the name of Jesus, anything that held them back, we break it now. We renounce it. We rebuke it. We nullify it in the powerful name of Jesus. Lord, grant them a new belief 
in themselves. Grant them a new belief in you that you can do whatever they have not been able to do in the name of Jesus. Whatever mistakes, whatever failures that have happened in their lives, even it was not of their doing, but it was said by their parents, their uncle, aunties, and ex-bosses, or even current, I break it now in the name of Jesus. That whatever hurts, whatever unforgiveness that they have encountered in the name of Jesus, I pray for Holy Spirit to heal with a healing balm and to release forgiveness, release inner healing into them right now in the name of Jesus. Take away the heartaches, take away the bitterness, the resentment and the inferiority complex in the name of Jesus. When Jesus is in their lives, they cannot be small. They are big in the Lord. Father God, I now pray all that you have given me, the favour of God you have given me, the portfolio experiences you've given me, the strategic mind you've given me, the capabilities to analyse and be critical in resolving issues, and the vision that you've given Lord, I pray and impart it unto them in the name of Jesus. And the anointing of leadership that you have given me, Lord, I pray that into them right now in the name of Jesus. That they enjoy the anointing and favour of leadership in the marketplace, at home, with friends and in ministry. In the name of Jesus, we release it right now and touch them from the head to their feet and let there be fresh water that will flow through, removing every debris and breaking down every obstacle in the name of Jesus. Lastly, we pray in a new experience of the Lord that comes with the inflow of the Holy Spirit. That comes with a new anointing, new power and new authority in the name of Jesus. And Father, I also pray this same prayer over the entire worship team. Because they are serving you, they are not able to come in front. You have reminded me that whatever I pray for those in front, they will receive it all in the name of Jesus. Lord, this church has a unique positioning as a young generation, next generation church. We are not looking at the numbers. We are looking at their hearts and the quality. And therefore, Father, we pray for that presence and that work to not only be birthed out, but to be expanded across. Lastly, Lord, we seal everything that we pray for, breaking inner healing, deliverance, infilling for everyone in front here once again and on stage in the name of Jesus. Even those standing in, in, the, in the middle of the room with their hands out raised, it's because they need you. We seal it with the blood of Jesus and from now onwards, nothing can touch them, only you can touch them. We thank you, we bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen.